It is good to see you again today, even in times such as this. Um, I appreciate Pastor Aaron for his heart and his love and his concern and his uh, generosity in asking me to come and speak. And I appreciate your uh, reception and just welcoming us as always. Uh, I want to say thank you for how you uh, love on my wife and, and treat my wife so wonderfully. And um, I appreciate that. Uh, so thank you, Edwards Road. So I want to, you know, again, acknowledge Pastor Aaron. Thank you, brother, for letting me come. And, and to all the staff and to the members, it is good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen? Amen. Amen. So um, as Pastor Aaron said, he and I were talking about just what has been uh, gripping our nation uh, the last few weeks. Actually, it's, it's, it's not a new problem. It's just it is a renewed problem that has just become more visual more vocal, uh, more aggressive. Uh, it, it permeates the entire atmosphere of what is happening in America. Some necessary conversations, obviously, uh, but unfortunately, there are some unnecessary actions that are taking place as well. And so when Aaron and I were talking about kind of how we as pastors, you know, what we do with these things, and he asked me to come and preach, and I was looking at a passage of Scripture that I, I want to share with you today. And I want to share this passage of Scripture because I uh, I believe that I believe that Christians of all colors, I think we all have an opportunity. I think we all have a responsibility with what is happening now, how we can respond, what should we do, what should we say. And so I, I want to take a familiar passage of Scripture, just kind of talk about it some today, uh, not making any accusations, but I just want to talk about the Word of God. Is that okay? So our text today is coming from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke, Luke's Gospel. Chapter 15, uh, the chapter of lost things, as it is called, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 from the, uh, yeah, verses 1 through 7. English Standard Version, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. If you allow me to read the text real quick, and then we'll just jump right in. Beginning of verse 1, the, 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 the word says, would you mind standing real quick for the reading of God's Word? you mind? You find this text. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who, have, excuse me, who need no repentance. You may be seated today. Looking at a familiar passage of Scripture, I want to give you guys this topic, um, One Sheep Matters. One Sheep Matters. I think most of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know the parable of lost things. You know the chapter of lost things. You know the parable of the lost sheep. You know the parable of the lost corn. You know the parable of the prodigal son, or as sometimes called the parable of the lost son. You, you know 
these stories. But for me, what is equally important with knowing these stories is knowing the motivation behind the story, to know why Jesus chose to tell these parables, why at that moment he chose to tell these parables. He tells three stories in response to an event, to, to an opinion, to a feeling, uh, to an, an outburst. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that, that as sinners, uh, as people who are downtrodden, downcast, on the fringes of society, people who are not considered valuable, not considered worthy, not considered deserving, people who would be otherwise frowned upon. Those were the people that were coming to Jesus. And not only were these people coming to Jesus, these people were flocking to Jesus. Not only were they flocking to Jesus, but Jesus was receiving them. Not only was he receiving them, but he was receiving them personally and intimately. How do I know? Because it says he he ate with them. And in the ancient Near East, if you sat down to eat a meal with somebody, that designated more than just a common acquaintance, designated more than just a passing interest. You are willing to pour into someone's life, and they were willing to pour into your life when you sat down and broke bread together. Jesus received sinners, and he ate with them. That was the accusation by the religious folk, the scribes and the Pharisees. They were observing God's grace in action, and they had an adverse reaction to what God was doing in the lives of disenfranchised people. That is the backdrop for the chapter of Lost Things. That is the reason why we have these three beautiful parables spoken by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He speaks the truth to counteract a lie that says all men, all women, all people are not created equal. That's the, that's the impetus for the stories. Upon hearing the response of the murmuring from these people, Jesus, and in my mind, Jesus turns to them and says, let me ask you a very simple question. Which one of you, which one of you guys who are so adamantly against what I am doing, which one of you in your heart of hearts who feels that these people over here are less worthy than these people over here. Which one of you guys, as you look at what God is doing, as you respond to what God is doing, which one of you, if you have 100 sheep and somehow one of your sheep got lost, and which one of you, when faced with a situation where one sheep got separated from the other 99 sheep, and once you realized that situation, you were like, okay, it's all good. Still got 99. The one that's gone, too bad, so sad. He should have stayed with the group. He should have realized that I had other things to worry about. He, he should have realized that, that if he somehow found himself less than, that I would not do anything to rectify that situation. He says, no, that's not what you would do. If you found yourself with 100 sheep and one of those sheep somehow disappeared, you would not just write it off. Instead, you would go find that sheep and bring him back home. That's the premise that Jesus makes. And now, 
And, and, and because Jesus knows everything, and because he understands the economy of the time, Jesus knows that a good shepherd, a, 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 a good businessman, would see the need to go find that which was lost. Now, you might say, but listen to the story. He has 99 sheep that are still in the wilderness. There are 99 sheep that are not in the pen. They are out grazing, and, and his responsibility is still also to the 99 sheep. And if he walks off and leaves the 99 sheep, who's going to take care of them? Wouldn't it be more prudent to just say, the one sheep that managed to get himself lost needs to manage to get himself found because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. In this case, the needs of the one. So it doesn't make sense, Jesus, to do that. But the way that Jesus tells the story tells me that those who heard the story would also agree that it was necessary to go find the one lost sheep. And so as I read the story, and I think through the story, and it says that there's something about the lost sheep that causes the owner to go find it. The first question that comes to my mind is, does the owner just say that sheep cost a certain sum of money? And if I don't go find that sheep, I will have lost some money. Well, when I think through that question, I also have to think, being a practical man, that if that sheep cost $10 and the businessman says, I don't want to lose $10, then the 99 sheep on the hill cost $990. And so would he risk $990 to pursue $10? So it cannot be a financial decision that would drive this man to leave the 99 to pursue the one. So if it's not an economic decision, if it's not a, a business decision that drives this man, the only other thing that makes sense to me is that it must be a personal decision. There's something about the owner in the story. There's something about the shepherd in the story and the relationship he has to these sheep that would cause him to, to weigh the risk of leaving 99 sheep who are secure to pursue the one sheep who is lost. Thinking through the story, there's nothing in the parable that suggests the sheep asked the shepherd to go look. They never said, hey, where's Bob? Is there Bob in here? Okay. Hey, Bob. There's Bob. We know where he is. There's nothing in the parable to suggest that the drive, the impetus to find the lost sheep originated with the other 99. They were content doing what sheep do. I mean, the, the attention span of a sheep is about maybe eight inches, the distance from their nose to the grass they're chewing on. That's their life. Their life is about food, water, shelter, and safety. They recognize that it's somebody else's job to take care of them. So I would, I would not imagine the 99 sheep realizing that somebody's missing, that somebody's hurting, that somebody is in distress, that somebody is dismayed, that somebody needs help. Their, their business was the, the shepherd is taking care of us. So I don't think the sheep got together, went to the shepherd and said, hey, Bob is, Bob's missing. 
we, we need to go find Bob or you need to do something and get Bob back home safely. So it, it wasn't, it did not originate from the crowd. There's something about the heart of the shepherd that caused him to go see about the one sheep. You could say, well, it's just one sheep. Is it really that important to, to go find one sheep? Does it really matter if it's just one sheep that's lost? The other 99 are doing fine. But I, I believe the shepherd would explain to you that, yeah, it is important that I pursue the one sheep. 99 sheep are safe and secure. The reality is that when he walks off, something bad can happen to the 99, but he still reckons it more important to chase the, to pursue the one sheep than to stay with the 99. Why? Because one sheep matters. It, it, it doesn't make sense mathematically because 99 is greater than one, but spiritually speaking, one is greater than 99. So the shepherd says, I got to go find the lost sheep. Remember, Jesus is telling this parable to answer the question in the hearts of the scribes and Pharisees, why do you eat with these sinners? And then the compassion of the shepherd comes out in the story. First of all, the compassion shows up in the fact that the shepherd knows that somebody's missing. He knows that somebody is disenfranchised. He knows that somebody has been excluded. He knows that somebody is hurting and he goes to search for that one sheep. By the way, when you read chapter 15, there are common threads in all three parables. And, and, and one of the common threads is that the owner values the one that is missing so much that he or she looks for it. The shepherd searches for the lost sheep. The woman who loses a coin searches a house for the lost coin. The father whose son runs away searches for his son until he comes back home. And so there, there's a thread that, that says that, that even if someone is lost, the father is always looking. <clears throat> Why? Because that one soul, that one life, that one person in God's eyes is just as important as everybody else. And so the shepherd says one sheep matters, and to him, it is vitally important that he leaves the 99 to pursue the one that is lost. And when he finds that one that is lost, he doesn't scold it. There's nothing in the text that says the shepherd has a, a lesson with the sheep and says, let me tell you what you did wrong. Let me threaten you because if you do this one more time, you know, kind of what parents do, if you do this again, uh, well, my mama didn't threaten me that way. <laughs> That's a different sermon for another day. Uh, that whole thing about this will hurt me more than it will hurt you, not true in my household growing up. There's no way that my mama's whoopings hurt her more than it hurt me, but I digress. Um, when the shepherd finds the lost sheep, there is evidence of love, compassion, and concern because he, he gingerly takes the sheep, places it on his shoulders, and brings him back home. Why? Because the sheep has been lost. He has 
probably not had any food or water. He's terrified, petrified, anxious, and afraid. And when the shepherd finds him, the shepherd says, I will not, I will not expect you to follow me back home, but I will carry you back home because you can't make it on your own. And when I think about this parable and I think about the sheep out there in the wilderness, you know, sheep only, there are only a few things in life that sheep do. They eat, they sleep, and then they make noise, right? And so if the sheep is trapped in the wilderness, there's no food and there's no water. So probably all he did was make noise. So the sheep is crying out for help and crying out for deliverance. And probably in that little sheep brain of his, thinking nobody hears me, nobody cares about me, nobody will come see about me. But what the sheep did not realize, that as it was crying out for help, the shepherd was looking and the shepherd was listening. As the psalmist says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. I think about that lost sheep, about him crying in the wilderness, and the master heard his cry. Gingerly, tenderly, lovingly lifted him up, brought him back home, and then rejoiced that the one sheep that was lost is now found. The parable is told to answer the question, why does God waste his grace on the undeserving? You know, you can look at this story on many levels and say, well, if we're just talking about sheep, the one sheep understood the importance of being rescued, but the other 99 only knew when Bob showed up again and started munching on grass once again. They never worried about Bob while he was missing, wouldn't have minded if Bob never returned. But somebody brought Bob back, and now he's munching grass alongside me. Yeah, that's one level you could take and say that, that it's okay to be concerned about life right in front of your nose and let somebody else worry about everything else. But you know, in the, from a biological standpoint, sheep don't know to worry about anybody else. Then you could say on another level and say, well, this story really is about, it's an evangelical story that talks about the need for salvation, the need for the gospel message to be preached. That is absolutely true. And you can say that, that the point of the story is to talk about the fact that God rejoices every time a sinner comes to Christ. That is absolutely true. That is the point that Jesus makes here, that, that there is no reason to be upset when sinners get saved, because that's why Jesus came. He came to die for sinners like you and me. But I think you can also take the standpoint of and looking at the fact that You've got people who are outside of the grace of God, talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, who are looking at other people who are outside of the grace of God, talking about the tax collectors and the sinners. And you have the, the scribes and Pharisees who were ignorant of the fact that they were outside of God's grace and had the audacity to judge others who are outside of God's grace and said that while we are, on, we, are in, we are the in crowd and you are the out crowd, how dare you infringe upon God in such a way? 
let me extrapolate something just very quickly today. It is very, it is very easy and it is very unassuming. It is, it is very comfortable and safe to say that what's in front of me is good. Therefore, I don't have to worry about what's to my right and what's to my left. It is very easy to say that if Bob disappears, the shepherd needs to go find Bob. And the shepherd needs to bring Bob back. And if Bob doesn't show up, Bob, I'm sorry I keep using your name, man. And it's very easy to say that if Bob doesn't make it back home, shame on the shepherd. I'll just keep eating my grass. I'll just keep drinking my water. But biologically speaking, we are not sheep. Not in that standpoint. We, we have an awareness that goes beyond the eight inches in front of our noses. Spiritually speaking, we are God's sheep. We are God's people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And I firmly believe that, that every person, in a sense, is God's sheep. There are some that have not been reclaimed. There are some that have not come to the full knowledge of the saving knowledge of God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And they are still out there in the wilderness somewhere crying out for help. The other people who, the other sheep are part of God's family that have made it into the fold. We have heard the call of the Savior and we have responded accordingly and we follow him wherever he leads. But much like biological sheep, the church has to be ever so careful that we don't become extremely concerned or completely obsessed with what is right in front of our faces, not looking to the right nor looking to the left. Because when we become like the sheep, like the 99 sheep in the parable, the 99 sheep in the parable have the assurance of knowing that their food and water will be provided. They have the assurance of knowing that the dangerous animals will not be able to attack them because they are under the protection of the shepherd. But the 99 sheep have absolutely no care or no concern for anyone beyond the confines of their personal relationship. The challenge for the church today, in extremely harsh times and extremely violent times, in the midst of this uh, conflict that we're seeing, the challenge for the church today is to try to assess and sometimes reassess the value of the human soul. Not just from an evangelical standpoint, but the challenge for the church today is to come to the conclusion of determining that actually one sheep does matter, that one life does matter, that one soul does matter. Because the questions get asked sometimes that, that if you start defining the movement by the color of someone's skin, one of the automatic replies is, well, shouldn't all lives matter? Shouldn't all souls matter? Shouldn't all people matter? The obvious answer is yes. All lives do matter. All souls do matter. All people do matter. But there is a distinction in times of crisis. And the distinction is not defined by the color of someone's skin, but the distinction is defined by the crisis that someone is experiencing. Let me explain it to you this way. In the parable of the lost sheep, there is never a description of the sheep given. 
We don't know if it's black. We don't know if it's white. We don't know if it has speckled fur or wool, excuse me. We don't know if one ear is missing. We don't know if it's kind of cross-eyed or missing teeth. We don't know anything about the sheep. The only thing that describes the sheep is one word, lost. Therefore, the, the overwhelming issue in the parable is the circumstance of that sheep. The, the, the shepherd does not elevate that one sheep when he decides to go look for it. The shepherd is moved not by the sheep, but by the need of that sheep. My brothers and sisters, I would suggest to you that, that we, when we stop wondering if God is looking at white church or black church, when we stop wondering if God is looking at white lives matter, black lives matter, or blue lives matter, if we stop looking at color and start looking at the cross, when we do that, we will find that all of a sudden racial distinctions go away because at the cross, we don't see our Savior dying for white people or dying for black people or dying for Jewish people or dying for Asian people or dying for Hispanic people. No, John 3.16 says, for God so loved this world, not the physical world, but the people in the world. And when he says, God so loved the world, I can put my name there. You can put your name there. Pastor Eric can put his name there. Angie can put her name there. In fact, we can all put our names on the dotted line. And John says, for God so loved you, 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 and you, that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross, not for his sins, but for your sins and for my sins. And by the way, the only color of sin is black covered in red. So, so the parable simply tells us that every life matters. Yes, the ones that are in peace and security matter. The ones that are lost and distressed matter. The ones that are going through matter. The ones that are safe matter. Every sheep matters to the shepherd. And if every sheep matters to the shepherd, then every sheep ought to matter to the sheep. And so... When we find ourselves comfortably munching on the grass that's in front of us, when we find ourselves comfortably sipping the water that's in front of us, in the modern age, we have the luxury of knowing what's going on around us. In the parable, there was no 24-hour news network. In the parable, there was no Facebook or Instagram. Uh, there was no 5 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news, or 7 o'clock news. There was no cell phone video. There was no way in the parable for the 99 to know that somebody was in need. But we don't have that excuse today. We don't have the luxury of ignoring what's around us. We don't have the luxury of pretending that everything is okay. Rather, I say, we have the responsibility to look after one another because the parable has nothing to do with race. The parable has everything to do with need. And so I would leave you with this challenge today, my brothers and sisters, that we might be in the 99 today, but all of us are aware that out there there's a lost sheep that's crying out for help. 
all of us are aware that while the shepherd is taking care of us and giving us food to eat and water to drink, we ought to know by now that the shepherd's heart is bigger than that. And unlike the parable where the shepherd says, I am the one who must go find the lost sheep. Yeah, Jesus did that at Calvary. And now that he's done that at Calvary, just like verses 1 and 2, we need to understand that the grace of God is bigger than you and me. And so as we walk in grace, and as we live in grace, and as we love in grace, let us affirm and reaffirm the message today and every day. One sheep matters. One life matters. One soul matters. One person matters. And if somebody asks you, how does your math come up to one being greater than 99, then tell them that one day back at Calvary, God's son Jesus died on the cross. And that one death paid the sin sacrifice, the sin atonement for all of humanity. And so if, if one sheep can be greater than, than 99, it's only because one death paid the price for all of our deaths. If someone has to question you about the math behind one life, one sheep being greater than 99, then tell them that the word one, the number one, is important because Paul said there is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God and Savior, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is only one God. And so if someone has a hard time understanding why the 99 ought to worry about the one, then you tell them that the one true God sent his one and only son to die on one cross. And he died one time for all of humanity. And with that one death, he set us all free. And because that one set me free, I got to care about the ones who are around me. So the parable simply says, which of you, having a hundred sheep and loses one, would not leave the 99 on the hillside and go pursue the one who is lost? And when he finds it, he places it gently and lovingly upon his shoulders, brings him home rejoicing and telling all of his friends and family that the one that was lost is now found. And Jesus says, in heaven, there is just as much rejoicing over one soul that is lost but now found. I would dare say to you that God is equally rejoicing over the fact that we are, as his church, as his flock, that we are actively engaged in pursuing that one sheep. Why? Because one sheep matters. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Edwardsboro Baptist Church. We hope you are meaningfully involved in a local church, but if you aren't, we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings as we worship God and hear from His Word together. You can find more information about our church by visiting our website at edwardsroad.org.